We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And further, we give thanks to the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. Instead, it was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience, and strength in the face of ongoing oppression, dispossession, colonial violence, and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals with ties to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each Monday in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoked is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. Visit freshwatersurfgoods.com today. Or look for our products in a surf shop near you, such as Surf Sup Eco Shop in Concarden and Goderich, where you can also find me, Derek Hyatt, teaching surf, sup, and yoga. Would you like to try the fastest growing sport in North America? Right on, because Freshwater Surf Goods has its own stand-up paddleboard school. We offer basic and advanced flatwater courses, SUP surfing and surfing lessons in groups and both private and semi-private, along with tours, custom experiences, and SUP yoga in and around Owen Sound, Grey Bruce, and other parts of Southwestern Ontario. Have fun as you take your skills from, okay, to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. 
Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to connect with their true self so they may spread great vibrations in the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful yogic technologies and the Hawaiian art of Ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. In this episode, I interview Grand Haven, Michigan native, and owner of the Midwest Shaping Shack Surf Movement, Max Smolensky. Listen as I chat with the 2006 ESA Great Lakes District Shortboard Champ about being a second-generation Great Lakes surfer, surfing Michigan, paying your dues and getting skunked, blowing up secret surf spots, his 15 minutes of fame for rescuing a dog, shaping Great Lakes surfboards, and forming the Rockpile Gang. This episode is dedicated to Ramped Magazine. Mahalo to Jesse Wilkinson and Nelson Phillips for Permastoke, Derek Hyatt's search for the ultimate Canadian wave in issue number five, their winter 2021 edition. Thanks guys. This episode was recorded on December 15th, 2020. It features explicit language and is not recommended for children. Due to internet connectivity issues and a poor internet connection, Parts of this interview are pretty spotty, so apologies and sorry for any inconvenience this may have caused. Matt Smolensky, welcome to Permastoke. What's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Good, man. Thanks for being here, bro. How are you doing down in Michigan? Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's it's the cold setting in and uh, finding myself spending more time in the garage here than I am in the water, but it is what it is. It all works out. Yeah, do you got some heat in that surf movement shack, or are you rubbing? Yeah, we uh, we heat with a, a little electric heater and a, a propane heater that's going on the ground here, too. So not necessarily conventional, but it works. So, you know, before we maybe get into all the surf movement stuff and really explore that, because I want to know all about it, the biggest thing for me I love hearing is, how did you get into Great Lakes surfing? Yeah, I grew up across the street from the beach here in town. My parents live right above the beach here in Grand Haven. I was uh, literally two minute cruise on a bike to the pier to the rock pile, yeah. our home break here. But my dad was a surfer. Um, he surfed back in the day and, and he taught me many wave days, pushed me into waves. and. Um, just naturally with my dad being a surfer and living across the street from the beach, we were, we boogie boarded as kids. And actually I have a brother who's a couple years younger that he actually picked up a surfboard prior to, to me doing it for whatever reason I stayed on a bodyboard, but, um, we go down, I mean, by eight years old, you know, my parents were comfortable with us leaving the house. Yeah. Just grew up by the beach and, uh, once you that first real wave, you want to get more of it. So um, from there, just kind of took it. Man, by the time I was 13 years old, I had the, the local shop in here, town here sponsoring me. And uh, what it became was all the older guys from town would like pick me up. I was like the young guy that knew how to surf and they would take me, you know, to different destinations for waves. So, wow. 14, 16 years old, and they were cool with it because they're showing up with uh, people that know what they're doing. And uh, 
yeah, just fell in love with it. I haven't heard of many second generation Great Lakes surfers. Like that's pretty rad when you think about it. Well, I think a lot of the around here that uh, they never had families. They're like single dudes that just did their business during the day and surfing their way. So not a ton of them had kids and uh, outside of a couple of friends for my age, you know, I'm 38. So this was, you know, 30 years ago, there just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of people doing it like there is today. So, so growing up in Grand Haven, you mentioned you were sponsored by a surf shop. So what shop would that have been that was around back in your youth? Well, yeah, it was a shop. It was a shop called chapter 11. They're not there anymore, but, um, he, it was, he, you know, it, and back then, I mean, he had boards. The boards that he was getting and selling out of the shop were up north surfboards. Dean Williams out of like yeah. Detroit area, and Dean actually, you know, he would he would line me up with Dean, and Dean had boards for me. And um, through that, um, back in the day, uh, Nixon Nixon watches. I mean, that's the extent of it. Well, I mean, sponsored as in uh, you just told people you were sponsored and got a free watch and a couple t-shirts, but. It was cool. I mean, as a kid, it was like, you know, cool, sweet, free stuff. I'll take it. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like being in magazines and getting paychecks. It's about like rocking oh, no. gear for other no. people to see the, the cool surf yeah, guys wearing the Nixon. Novelty, I guess, yeah. Just yeah. something novelty. Yeah. Right. And I'll have you know, the Nixon, the Nixon watch is, um, if you look on the back of a Nixon watch, each one says something different. It'll have a different, like, kind of like catchphrase slogan on the bottom of the watch. And if you're sponsored by them, all the watches said on the underside of them, I fucking rule. So <laughs> I, I have a few watches and they all say. That's awesome. So, man, you mentioned that your dad was surfing in Grand Haven and got you into it. So did your parents move to your home for the surf? Was that part of the deal? Oh, my, my parents were from Michigan and my parents grew up in Grand Rapids and my, my grandparents have a, a cottage literally right across the street from the pier, right on the main drive here in town. And, uh, they, I, you know, my dad just loved water was, you know, it ended up, it's funny. They live in a really nice neighborhood here, but they bought the house in like 1978 for 16,000 Wow, like that. And my dad just kind of like fixed it up over the you know, 25 years that we, my brother and I were growing up there, but. So yeah, you and I are the same age. So the idea of thinking that our parents bought a house for like 16 grand on the water I know, it's freaking angers me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm around the corner and over a hill from the beach. So from my house, I can get my vehicle and and get down to the pier in a five minute drive. So I'm close. We're like, right. You know, biking distance, you know, walking distance, but yeah, it's, it's Grand Haven's kind of like, it's gotten a lot more expensive to live here. And we got lucky, you know, 12 years ago when we found the house that we're in now, but probably never leave. Is Grand Haven marketed as a surf town in Michigan? No, I mean, Grand Haven's kind of like the hub for all the cities around where people come to the beach. It's got the nicest beach. Um, people from Grand Rapids, it's the quickest spot to get to. So it's a, it's a beach town. It's definitely like a summer tourist beach town. But up until maybe 10 years ago when they started doing like the outdoor ed classes that they taught kids how to surf in high school and did the like workshop um, 
classes where they teach kids to make boards and stuff like i was always like oh you're a surfer you're are you a skater you know like so it wasn't like there never was like a legit at least for guys my age like there wasn't a lot of people doing it like you said that you know a lot of the kids and we were just like got into it back in the day so yeah so you know very similarly for me like i started surfing in leamington um in ontario like on lake erie and you know there wasn't many people out there in fact i was usually the only one um but some of those names you mentioned like dean williams um you know paul kevlin these are some of the guys that were coming over to my break and that I met. So I kind of made that Michigan connection very early on in my surfing. Um, Did you ever do any traveling with those guys to other spots like out here in Canada or on Superior or anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. I've I've surfed all the lakes. Um, I've been around a lot of my own, but yeah, back in the day, Vince and that crew would take me when they did you know, when he was filming all those Surf Michigan videos way back in the day, mm. um, I was with those guys on those trips and, you know, I'm in those videos. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely good to have some of those guys that at the time could could drive me around. But, you know, by the time I got my license and was able to drive myself, I had already had a little bit of experience going, you know, to Schwa and, you know, upper Michigan or going like, you know, across the way and surfing, you know, the, our side of Huron and, um I, you know, I, I didn't make it to Toronto and, you know, surf that area till maybe four or five years ago, but you know, it's always on the bucket list to like hit every great lake and have it dialed to where, you know, when to go, where to go. And I, I, I've made friends over the years, just with a lot of the people, you know, across the great lakes. Um, so most of the time, I mean, it's nice to have somebody that'll give you a heads up, like, Hey, you know, it's going to be good this coming weekend. Like, what are you up to? Let's, you know, come up this way. So feel like I have those connections and uh, I don't know I still find myself though like Lake Michigan you know Grand Haven area within an hour north or south there's there's a handful of breaks that in my opinion are, are like you know top-notch Great Lakes surf breaks. The surf the surf Michigan videos you were talking about Vince has told me about those um, but apparently these things are really rare like they're only on VHS now or something. Yeah, so they were VHS, and they did some on DVD, which is funny. But um, the funny thing about that is when Chapter 11 Sports went out of business and uh, through an auction company out here, and I bought a lot of it. And I, what I, one of the things that I bought was a bin of old videos and skateboard parts from Chapter 11. So I truly probably have at least three or four copies of surf Michigan downstairs, just like in the cellophane still. So oh. I'll get somebody that's like, yeah, you, you know, you, you deserve this, you know, take a watch of this and, and I'll give them away here or there. But yeah, I, I don't know where you'd find, I don't think Vince probably has any more of that and has probably no plans of, of making any more. So. Yeah. Or releasing it in an updated format. I'm not sure. Right. Right. Yeah. As a Great Lakes surfer, I've not been to Grand Haven. Um, This is obviously one of my destinations I want to go check out. But, you know, we have the benefit of seeing the awesome videos of you guys out at the rock pile. And it just looks freaking amazing. So what is it about? Explain that break to me and what happens there that creates that such a wicked wave. I would say that, like, 75% 75% or more of the surfers on the Great Lakes would look at that wave and kind of be like, 
and I'll try something else. Um, but I, I think the reason why we like it is, I mean, honestly, it just has more power than a wave that's wrapping around a pier clean on some side of the pier. People will say it's like kind of intimidating to surf there. I was doing this like at eight years old. It's like, it's, it's more natural to me than like driving down the road. So yeah. it's, it's a wave that comes in and uh, break bounces off the pier and tends to have a little bit more power when it hits that pier and comes off the other way. So you're catching waves right off the pier and surfing them in. And um, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, it seems like a lot of what, when you're on the internet looking at like Great Lakes surfing nowadays, the big topic that everybody talks about is like keeping spots secret and like, not ruining it and having a million people show up and the thing about grand haven is like i mean i respect all those guys that want their spots like private and you know not a lot of people out but like if you can come down to grand haven and jump in the water and like not get washed on the pier and not like freak yourself out and just get out because you don't want to be in it like you're probably fine being there so yeah. it, the more the merrier i mean we've had guys like came up and he was a great surfer and like he got in and like had that spot dialed in in 10 minutes and he was getting a ton of waves and it was awesome. It was just like cool to see someone not from there coming and surfing a good wave, you know? Yeah. So we never really worry about like our little crew doesn't ever really worry about like, oh, are we going to get dropped in on or are there going to be people in the way? Because like, it's, it's, it's a little different. It's a little, little, uh, little different, but it, it definitely like, I think with the rock pile is like, my backyard it's kind of like it's led me to like dial in specific shortboards for surfing on the great lakes which then again people look at you like why are you riding a shortboard like the waves suck here so yeah i don't know it's it's a little it's a little hidden gem i don't know i i we love it and i mean that's the thing too is we'll always choose to surf here if the waves are good over traveling and there's a lot of guys that want to go get a really clean wave somewhere and you know and on a south south wind southwest wind there's spots that are clean and groomed and you know like a, a, a nice wave north of here but we'll we'll take the power and the pier bounce just because i mean that's what we've always been doing so it's a unique spot because there are other waves there are other there are other like piers along the great lakes that a wave will bounce off of them and people will surf but i mean lake michigan alone like Grand Haven's the spot to do pure bounce surfing, you know, to the extent of like everything else is kind of, you're wrapping around a pier somewhere. So, yeah. I so know. I hadn't done the pier thing until I moved here because we have a similar setup in Kincardine where you can walk yeah. up to the end oh, yeah. of the pier yeah. and then jump. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that's where you're at. You're on Huron. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Grew up on Erie, but now I moved up here on purpose for that wave. Yeah. And I've, that wave i mean i've had i have lakes i've always wanted to go to uh that one i think they run like a contest they try to do a contest like once a year and i always thought it'd be cool to go up there just to just to do the contest and surf that wave yeah uh, but i've never been there i mean it's just it's, the last couple of years we were doing that contest it didn't work i had something going on that weekend or they called it off because there was no waves but okay someday yeah. So what about out there in Michigan? I mean, I know you guys used to have, I know it wasn't much of a competition, but you had the Dairyland Classic. Do you guys have some routine surf events out there? Yeah, they did the contest in Sheboygan, the Memorial Contest, and they just tried to fit it in. They'd say like, 
after September 1st, the first weekend with waves, we do a contest. So they would do them here and there. And it would basically kind of qualify you to like go out to the East coast and, and compete in the contest in Hatteras or whatnot. And, you know, again, I don't know what it was. Like I never was like, I enjoyed going down there. Cause again, like I felt like I was the only one young surfing and you get a trophy and whatever, but like, it was more cool just to like, you know, see those guys that you don't see that often, you know, get together and two people in the water, four people in the water at a time, you know, like I'll take it. So it's funny. Like you talk about being pretty much the only kid at that time. So you had the sort of guys that you looked up to that were a generation or two above you and and not so much at the peer level, like your own age group. But I'm thinking now, how about the kids, you know, younger than us, like the teenagers and, and 20 year olds now, is it much bigger amongst them these days? Yeah. I think the only difference is, is that the kids nowadays, like they're skaters or they snowboard or they took the class and they want to like, you know, they tried to surf and so now they want to board. And, and, um, but it's not like me. Like, I mean, surfing was like my first and only love. It was the only yeah. thing I did. I got all the magazines. I watched all the videos. They've got a bunch of other stuff that they do. Surfing's just another thing that they do. So they don't take it as serious, um, which is fine. Younger generation, it's like, it's just one of the many things that they do. And they're not as like invested into it as say somebody that grew up doing it and is like trying to dial in and spend money. Sometimes I have to think like, like I get it. Like everybody wants like the used $125 great deal on a surfboard. And here I am like trying to dial in $800 Matt Bylos lost boards to like exact spec that work best for me. And it's like, they just don't have the love the way that we did, you know, it's like not as much as they want to invest in. And I've seen a lot of guys, like the big thing around here is there's a lot of guys that are great on a snowboard or great on a skateboard and they can go out there and surf, but they go out there on the wrong equipment. They're out there on a 5'11 by 19 by two inch thick board and they're catching waves. It's just, I look at these kids and I go, hey, like if you got on a 6'1 by 20 and a half by two and three quarters thick, you're going to get three times as many waves. You're going to progress five times quicker. You have the natural skill to do it. Like put this proper board under your feet and and what's kind of come of that is you know i'll get people on some boards that i think are a good fit for them on the lakes and they progress from that and then they go hey what's the next step which might be like a custom or something that we can go yeah like this this will work for you like i I it's not a huge science i mean obviously like the more volume the bigger the board like the easier it is, is to get into a wave but you can start dialing them in. And that's, what's been great about like this little surf shack is, you know, I've had kids come and buy, uh, you know, a used NSP 610, you know, plastic surfboard and surf it for three quarters of a year and then come back and go, Hey Matt, like, this is awesome. I love surfing. You put me on something that I actually kept catch waves and I'm not sitting out there. I'm ready for like the next step. And then we can put them on like a custom board that will work for them. They'll progress further and they'll fall in love more with it. And it's kind of like a return, you know, yeah, return customer type thing. So you started talking about surf movement. So you grew up surfing. 
Um, you have some great, you know, icons around you. Um, where did the shaping come in? How did that all start for you? So Marty, um, who was here earlier, he uh, he's kind of like my partner here that that we kind of roll this thing together with. And uh, he he lived on the other side of the highway here in town, and he had a shaping bay in his in his garage. And all through high school, I designed boards like on paper in my head, like just on graph paper to spec like hundreds of different boards that I thought would be cool boards to make at some point someday. And I spent a lot of like my college years, like over there watching him do repairs and watching him shape and never went hands on with anything. And then he moved to Florida and he moved away. And then he came back three years later and like needed a spot to work. So I naturally just, I had a buddy that was, a builder that put a wall down the middle of the garage and we put the shaping stands up. So I kind of set it up for him to be able to like, you know, do the ding repair. And really the, the first goal that we had with having a shaping bay in the garage was let's make boards for ourselves. Like let's make me a board, you know? So I went into my little graph paper book of all the boards that I've designed and picked out the one that I thought would be best for our little home break here. And Marty shaped it. And, uh, the first time I wrote it, it wrote exactly how we thought that it would ride. So we kind of like little light bulb went off in the head and was like, or at least for me personally, was like, all right, if we can make it something that will ride exactly how we think it'll ride, like let's do more of this, you know? So we, we made a few boards for, um, for friends and, um, and then this was the start of, 2020 with the pandemic and every we sold 10 boards by june 1st you know from mark um i'm now like kind of backed up with you know blank shortage issues and that kind of stuff but i mean really started this year and um i don't know i know we never really wanted to like to the outside world of our little crew like cater to someone for what they need for a board specifically for them but more of like make 10 boards that if they don't sell, you have a sweet quiver of boards or you put people on a proper board that will work for them and kind of go from there. So yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's interesting. Like it's cool, like being out in the water and see someone walk out with like a board from us or whatever, but it's a double-edged sword too, because I've had a kid that bought a board for me, like almost take me out on a wave. And then I'm like, what the hell are we doing? I mean, maybe we should just go back to like, only for us, only for the crew, yeah. you know, but you know, I, I work a regular job during the day and uh, the jump from like quitting my job to shaping boards and doing repairs in this garage full time is like never going to happen. It's unrealistic. So in my head, it's like if I was a kid and there was a guy in town that made a, a good lake board, the proper lake board that, that worked well for them for a good deal. And like, you know, you could go over to the little shack and, hang out and shoot the shit like that would be a cool thing so in my head it's more of like i'm not doing this to make money i'm more doing it to like make boards for myself and my friends and if someone like gets in on it and uh you know finds out about us and, and likes our stuff and wants something we can we'll put something together for them you know right so surf movement is more about community it sounds like and buddies hanging out yeah yeah for sure for sure so when you're talking about shaping boards, dude, for the lake, what separates 
you know, what's the big difference between lake boards and ocean boards, I guess, when you're going from a shaping perspective, like what are the major differences and, and things? Right. So at the end of the day, I mean, the, the, there's two differences basically with surfing in a lake and an ocean. One being they say that the water is more buoyant in an ocean, but they've kind of done studies and proven factors that it's really not enough of a distant, uh, like a difference to like really notice. So the only other difference that you have is that the speed and power of which the wave hits the shore. So, you know, the ocean's going to, the waves are going to come to shore and going to have a little bit more power to them to catch and ride. Um, so, I mean, for us, my, you know, and it's scientific, but a lot of it's just like trying stuff out. I could not tell you why a single concave board to me rides better than a double concave board, but I prefer a single concave board. And I look back at like, they're all single concave boards. So I, we make all of our boards with single concave. Um, the other factor is, is like when I surf, I like having like not a ton of foam right in the back, like foot of the board. I like a thin tail on a board. And if you're going to do that in the lakes and make a board that's going to catch waves, you got to make up for that somewhere. So we put a little bit of extra volume from basically like the bottom of the rib cage to the shoulders where you're laying on the board. You're going to have a little bit more volume there for like paddle power and boat power. Right. And outside of that, um, it's just more of a matter of like talking people into realizing, yes, like, you, in your head, you think walking around with a six foot board is cool, but like I started like seriously getting into surfing on like a six eleven big guy shortboard and progressed my way down as I would get to the point where I'd be going down the line and wanted to hit the lip. It was too much board to swing. So I, I would always get boards back in the day from uh, Scott Busby from in the eye surfboards in Hatteras. When we went out there every summer, I'd, tell him had and I tell him the changes that I want to make to that board and he would make me a board and that board would be a little bit more honed in performance wise to what I wanted till I got down to my standard like everything I ride now is six foot by 20 and a half by two and a half and it's 33 to 35 liters depending on how much extra foil you keep in the rail there and that's what I ride so you know getting someone on a proper board to start where they can go out there and actually get a ton of waves to that point where they want to like do more when they're going down the line on a wave. It's not a real hard like philosophy to figure out. It's just a matter of like gauging, you know, people will come in here and be like, um, yeah, I've surfed a bunch and you know, I'm ready for this board. And you know, then you hand them the bar of wax and he's like, what's this for? You know? And you're like, Oh, like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a matter of like trying to convince people like this is what you need because when you actually get on what you need, you'll enjoy it more. And in sense, once you progress on that to the next level, we'll come back and help you then. Yeah. Right and on. your eight foot big, your eight foot big fun shape is far easier to resell to someone than the six oh twenty 20 by two and a half shortboard that there's just not a lot of people that ride, you know, or are going to do well with, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you give up a little bit of the, you give up a little bit of the sitting outside and getting every wave when you go to a shorter board. So you might, you might, you know, some might wash by that you're not going to catch. So you can have that, you know, snap off the lip where your nose doesn't hear his name's Tim. He used to run the surf shop in town here, the wet mitt. And, 
and he's he he'll tell you straight up. He'll say, I, I don't I don't ride a board under seven foot because the waves here suck, and I, I the more volume I can get longer rides, like there's no need to it. So there's there's different styles and there's different people want to adapt to and whatnot. And like I personally like I'll always buy a used longboard and like have it around and say, okay, yeah, like that's my longboard, and we'll get a day in town where it's like a clean chest high, waist high wave out of the north and we'll I'll paddle out on a long time I ever like I've done it multiple times. We go down to Florida to get blanks and stuff and you find some used boards and you buy them like, yeah, I'm gonna hang on to this one. And then it just it, you know you come back and of course everybody wants a longboard. So the first thing that sells we go, oh how much for that longboard? Okay, here you 50 bucks more than I paid for it. Here you go. Science of a shortboard I feel like I can talk to someone and like but longboards, it, you know, they're they're hard to shape because you got a long rail to figure out. And I don't, I'm not big on the science when it comes to like the proper fin and what this fin will do compared to that fin. And mm. I've, I've, I've asked a lot of questions, man. I've just, I, and, I, and I'm real with people. Like, I mean, I, I, you can only know so much, like, yeah, you know, like at the end of the day, like, I mean, but they're also, there's still guys like Kelly Slater, who's, has a video from like the nineties of him, like at trestle surfing a, a door, like an inside door of someone's house or uh, Fisher, the, like the DJ, the surfer gone DJ. that's like riding like the penis board or whatever. Like you can surf. I mean, like you, you put some volume under your feet and like, you'll, you'll figure it out, you know? So. Wow. But it's cool how you guys are coming at it from an angle of being functional yeah, and it's funny because we get people here all the time that are like, dude, let's let's blow your shit up. Like let's let's make this huge, like let's make the surf movement, like let's get this shit rolling, you know. And I'm just kind of like I like the aspect, you know, I, I you saw Marty when he was here, but Marty, the guy that does this with me, he's like a big like Irish dude with the Mohawk, and you might pull up here and get to the end of the driveway and be like, shit, dude, like what's going on up there? Like, like what's going on? But if you have the balls to walk up here, you come in and like, we're straightforward with you. We're honest with you. We won't do you wrong. We'll give you something for a good price. And before you leave, you're kind of like, I don't know how many people I want to tell about this place. You know what I'm saying? Like it kind of, I like keeping it that aspect. And like when it gets to the point where like, Oh, there's pressure because I got five people that need boards and this and that. And it's like, we do this for fun, man. This is like an excuse for me to get out of my house and come out here in the garage and have some beers and work on boards. Like we'll just keep it, keep it real and keep it like kind of supernatural and just roll with it. Yeah. So what is the surf movement all about that name? Does that represent something for you? Um, honestly, not necessarily. We kind of did it like, um, you know, you, well, you need something like catchy that people will, will buy into. And I always thought like growing up, like the surf scene is kind of like a head style wise and stuff. So like, if you follow like what the professional surfers are wearing in the surf through magazines and stuff, like you'll probably be cool that following year and whatever clothes you're wearing or, you know, whatever name or whatever, whatever. But like, I have a, a now 12 year old daughter who like comes home and is like in a, tom and jerry like men's size extra large t-shirt that's bright orange and like it just sounded catchy and like but at the same time like we wanted to be a movement in a sense of 
you know, a lot, some of these pro surfers have brands that are more like helping someone out in some way, clean water, giving back boards, doing beach cleanups and stuff. So the ultimate end goal will be, you know, like profits that are made, um, you know, like just giving back, doing kind of like beach cleanups and stuff like that. And just trying to get people involved in getting into surfing and having it be something that's fun and enjoyable for them. And just kind of feeling like they're part of a little bit of like a club that's different than like you're in the chess club at school. it sounds like you're kind of the new marty though in a way i mean you know you looked up to this guy and now you're essentially doing a similar thing i mean he he is he is for sure the brains of the operation i'm not gonna lie i mean when it comes to like the process he is definitely the brains of the operation but where we work well together is like i truly feel like i can talk to someone and put you on what you need so like i can in my head a lot of times like I'm cutting the outline of a template that I think is going to be good. And I'm telling him, leave the volume there, man. Like, you know, let's do a little bit back here more. Um, and Marty, like, I mean, as much as same thing, I mean, he's got a regular job. Um, he does all the, like the ding repair work and he's like a color matcher for a furniture company, Herman Miller out here. So he's very like detail oriented and meticulous when it comes to like, fixing boards like he does unreal repairs and like taking my boards and I don't I don't really have an issue with dinging boards I usually don't I keep my stuff pretty tight but there's a lot of people that need repair on boards and even some of the like local surf shops and whatnot that get product in that's damaged and shipping like Mm. Marty does all those repairs because he can match color match them perfect a little bit cheaper ding repair and you know the people that just want the cheap ding repair will go there and it's like I don't know the one thing I always like kind of took with me and I, I have a business degree like my degrees in sales and marketing you know marketing being way different than it was in 2006 or whatever when I graduated college but um you know I, I think a lot of people are kind of scared like there's competition or all oh, like you know some of these shop owners that I respect and I know well are oh man Matt's making boards or selling boards or selling you know some gear or equipment or accessories because that's what I did too I went and got an LLC and start getting some of these brands so I can get all the captain finn at wholesale and get all the pro light pads at cost and you know we went and got an account with buell wetsuits and stuff and have been selling some wetsuits and like i don't know i'm i'm like more on the path of like i'll share all my secrets with anyone who wants to know like we can all help each other out like i'm trying like i don't know the process of getting like a tag made with surf movement and how you get it on there so I start, I, you know, social media is crazy. Like there's, there's other local small companies that are doing what you want to do. And I've sent messages to random people and just said, Hey, like, who do you use? What do you do? And just tried to like smartly figure out the most efficient way to like make something that you can sell to someone for a good deal. And like maybe make enough money to like do it again someday when they all sell out. If you're going to go in the business to like make money, like why don't you just trade stocks or open up a restaurant? Like, it's the surf industry. Like, yeah, it's people, it's surfers that don't have money that want to get something as cheap as possible. Like if my end goal was to get rich, like I would, it wouldn't be in this garage, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. So if we're making boards here, um, you know, you got to drive an hour and 15 minutes South to third coast surf shop to buy a bar of wax or get a tail pad. Like we need that here, you know? So yeah. again, I'm not trying to like, take over the scene by any means like i said 
like it being small and like kind of like you got to know about us from a friend to like get involved but but it sounds like you've kind of found your your niche and you've created that environment you want want it sounds pretty awesome yeah i mean and like i said i mean at the end of the day we could always be like one step away from like going back to like just making boards for friends i mean and nothing's lost at that point you know yeah i like doing it because like i said it's a, it's an excuse to go to florida to grab 10 blanks and get a wave for a couple of days it was an excuse for me to buy like a little like small little like terrace van to drive around you know like it just works with yeah, the, yeah. It, hey i need it for the business you know so but if there's surf you're not bound you're not bound to that part i know that's a, that's what i have to watch is like yeah I, I i have to watch that because like the older i get i mean a lot that's the thing with these kids too is they'll go out there i just drove down to the parking lot in grand haven yesterday there were some waves and it was like a day that like if I drove through there in the summertime when it was like warm, I would probably still be like, eh, I don't know if I want to surf, but it's 28 degrees out and blowing 30 miles an hour out of the West. And there's 15 dudes on like soft tops and longboards just floating around. It's cool to like, you know, see the younger kids that are all into like everything. And those are some of the people that like, you know, I, I just kind of like, it goes right over my head and I look at the nearshore marine forecast and the wave color model like a day and a half out to determine where I want to go. So we got little spots that we like to quick fly to. And that's that's really what, it, you know, being good at like acknowledging what a forecast is going to do, like and being efficient with where you go to get waves. It's, I don't know. I spent a lot of time, even, you know, you still do today. I mean, you study this stuff. You've been, I've been doing this for, you know, 25 plus years now like on my own and like you still go somewhere expecting chest high clean waves and you pull up and it's knee high and you you just drove six hours like part of like that's just paying your dues you know that's why when you when you get it good at some of these spots and these guys you know like they they have to respect the fact that been there three times before and never surfed it because it wasn't working to figure it out that it was this time around so yeah there's a lot of effort all around that goes into it for sure back in the day it was you watched the weather channel on the local forecast and you wanted to see a southwest or northwest wind 10 to 20 miles an hour or higher so if it said there were going to be waves to where now it's like i mean there's there's cams everywhere there's surf reports these shops you know the the, all the social media pages and stuff it probably honestly i see it working like it's like just a clusterfuck for people and it's like too much they try to like decipher too much like literally the only thing i ever look at anymore is the near shore marine forecast and the wave color chart man and if if those things are matching out for there to be waves where you're thinking there's going to be waves a day and a half out like get in the car and go (laughs) and it's good to have friends oh man i know people on ontario i know people up in superior that are going dude come up you know man i'll tell you where the next one is or like you know i have friends on the other side of the lake that hey like it looks like it's going to be a good day in racine this weekend like what are you doing so that helps too is just to have like knowledgeable people like going it's worth the drive like get in your car let's do this shit you know so you know, when I was uh, doing some research on you, Matt, like one of the things that came up, you were talking about, you know, trying different things. 
there's uh, like four different videos on you uh, kite surfing. So what was that all about, man? Did you really get into kiting or? There was a guy from town here in Grand Haven. He had one leg and he had an artificial like one leg and he always had a dog and they would walk out the pier. Well, this guy, his dog gets washed off the pier and like we've saved people over the time, like pulling someone in that can't get in on a surfboard. It's just like a natural thing to do here. And regardless, for whatever reason, I saved this dog and like it blew up and that was like my 15 minutes of fame. And it was like, it was far beyond like what you'd ever even imagine with what happened with all that. But yeah, I mean, as far as kiting goes, um, one of my friends worked for Matt kite, which is kind of like the kite kiteboarding hub of the United States here in Grand Haven. And, um, you know, they, they wanted to do a video series where in surfers that on these days that it's blowing super hard, but the waves aren't good, you can go and kite. So there's a guy in town, Joe Bidwid, he does the Great Lakes Surf Festival. He gave me a kite when I was like, I mean, this was right when it started and I always flew it on the beach and screwed around with it on a skimboard and whatnot. Um, I still have a kite, but kiting is kind of one of those things like not being an expert at it. Like it's definitely something that I personally feel like I need somebody else there to do it with. Like, it's just smart that way. And like, I'm, I mean, like I have an 11 year old or 12 year old daughter. Like I have a full-time job. I like to surf. It's just like one more thing, like one more day going down to the water. So if it's big enough to surf, I never kite. I mean, I haven't kited in years, honestly, but um, it's something that I can do averagely. And I, a lot of guys, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's guys in town here that are surfers that got into kiting that like progressed really well with the kite board and like are out there like boosting crazy huge airs and all this stuff, but yet still kind of float around on a surfboard. So it's one of those things that you can progress on. I just, it's expensive. It's, it takes time. It's like more days that you're like away from the home. And I just, I don't do it much. So that they did the video series and I got a kite out of the deal, but like, I don't know. I, it, I, I, at the end of it, I kind of felt like a little bit like a little, like a tool, like what, I don't know. I did it for the kite. I don't know what to say. I did it for a free kite. Dude, that's all right. I don't blame you. I think I would have done it too. So it sounds like you're a bit of a, not in a snobby way, but it sounds like you're a bit of a purist in the way that you just love surfing. And uh, there's only so much time in the day. And so things like, you know, all the new stuff like kiting and foiling and you know, sup surfing and all these different variations, you'd rather just stick with the traditional prone. Yeah. Thing. I mean, we keep, we keep a couple, we keep a couple subs around at all times. So in the summer when it's flat, you can paddle at the beach and stuff. But like the other thing is too, I mean, it's, it's expensive, man. The, the stuff is expensive to get into. And like, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll stay in my lane, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I'm not opposed to trying it. I would love to, tr to, to try to like foil and I'm, maybe I could figure it out pretty quick. And I've seen a lot of like friends get into it and whatnot, but I also feel like I kind of have bad luck and like, I would be the guy that the foil would like go into my shin and end up needing 70 stitches type thing. So oh, yeah, I, I'm good. Yeah. I'd rather spend the two grand on that 10 more blanks and then just get those rolling, you know? So you brought up the dog thing because when you Google Matt Smolensky, yeah, you got right. this plethora of freaking articles. There was even an article from Taiwan 
that covers your story of rescuing that dog. Oh, dude. So the reason that that happened was because the, when it when it happened, there was a police officer, an off-duty police officer on the pier. And he was the police officer that reported all the like animal cruelty and stuff to the newspapers and stuff. Okay. So he saw it and was like, this is cool. And the next, no, like, Good Morning America is the Ellen DeGeneres show. I was on the Ellen DeGeneres show, like, on the phone, like, Conan O'Brien, like, the local, like, team, like, brought me out onto the ice and, like, <laughs> I got bottles of wine from these weird vineyards. I got a fucking award from PETA, like, just the <laughs> randomest shit ever, dude. That you, like, and at the time, I was, like, in college and I worked at a restaurant as a waiter and people would be like, are you the guy that saved that dog? And I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. It was, like... It was it was two months of fame, dude. I was getting calls from weird radio stations. I would get, I got weird letters. Like I got a letter from some guy in Louisiana that was enclosed by a picture out of the back of his trailer. And it was like 30 raccoons sitting there. And he's like, you can come down here and hang with my pets anytime, man. Like there was an <laughs> inner city school in Chicago that did a book on heroes and they all colored pictures for a page of a book for their heroes and sent me this like bound book. It, it was, it was way over the top, man, because over the years, I mean, I've probably pulled out 25 plus people at the lakes, but the one time that like it gets coverage is literally like a dog. <laughs> it was cool. I mean, it was funny. We, we laugh about it. Like the company I work for, like I end up at like corporate events around the country. And it's always like, Oh, here's Matt Slinsky. He rescued a dog back in the day. I'm just like, Oh my God. about the dog? I just grabbed the thing and put it on my surfboard and rode it to the beach. I mean, shit, what, what, wouldn't anybody do that? Yeah, yeah. This just comedy that that has become your sort of handle. You should, like, on your board designs, you know, you should have one where you, like, actually maybe draw out the spot for the dog to sit or... We name our boards after, like, local beers or, like, just different weird behind-the-scenes stuff that I wouldn't even tell you why their name that you know like yeah, stuff yeah. like that had way too many like natty lights and, and white claws here and came up with the board name one night you know the rock pile gang man so is the rock pile gang is that something that was around sort of before you or did you sort of spearhead this group or what's that all about the, the break in grand haven is called the rock pile because at the base of the break is a bunch of pile of rocks go figure and people like my dad and that group of people back in the day, Doc Beaton, Will Beaton, all the pushaws, all these guys, they surfed it. I don't think they ever coined themselves the Rockpile Gang. And really, like two or three of my friends, you might even call it like a midlife crisis. Like at like 35 plus years old, we're all like, dude, we sit by the pier, we get all the way. It was a total joke, dude. It wasn't, it wasn't even serious. And like, um, you know, we all went and got rock pile gang tattoos like we all have there's like six or seven maybe more i don't know now maybe maybe eight i don't know there's a handful of us that have the rock pile gang tattoo and once we all got the tattoos like the following year the wave when water levels got high it doesn't break way that it used to it hasn't been as good as it used to be so it might have like screwed us in the end but yeah we just same thing like we just wanted to be able to go make 10 hoodies and be the only 10 people that had rock pile gang hoodies, you know, and that was it. I'm sure my parents were like, 
okay, Matt, you're, you're in a gang now. <laughs> it was all novelty. Everybody knew it. So. I don't, yeah. it, it was, there was, again, a lot of the decisions we make around here are after like hanging out, you know, having a few beers. So maybe they're not the best ones, but um, I mean, they are with, and we never, you know, we never looked at it or thought about it that way. as like something that people were going to be into or like be curious about. Like we were just like, all right, we want to be the rock pile game. We just want shirts that nobody has. And when we go out there, we can pull our rash guard up and be like, yeah, these are our ways, you know, that was it. So, it, you know, it's funny because that's, that's the thing nowadays with like business and social media, especially in the surf industry notice a lot of there's there's brands that do a really good job of like appearing way bigger than they are you know and like you said you kind of like follow everything and you get into everything and like for me that's how I've always been I I I, I you know I've met all these people all some of these companies like you know even outside of the surfing industry like they appear to be huge on social media but maybe it just is something out of somebody's garage you know yeah. and those are the people that I'm talking to about hey what who do you have do the embroidery on your tags for your hats, you know, and they're talking and they, they're cool. Cause we're all kind of like, dude, we do this shit out of our garage. Nobody's making any money doing this shit. Like <laughs> we're just doing this so we can have cool shit. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, yeah. probably, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, all the, all the surf shop owners and stuff. Like, you know, like I respect all those guys and, I'm not trying to step into their competition, but like, for example, like we carry Buell wetsuits. There's two reasons why we carry Buell wetsuits. One is because when you, I needed a size extra large tall wetsuit and they make extra large tall. A lot of the companies don't make an extra large tall. Mm-hmm. Number two is a kid came through and bought a board and needed a wetsuit. I looked at the fact that there was no waves coming in the next week and a half. And I was like, all right, just buy mine. I'll sell you mine used. And I needed a new wetsuit at that point in time. So I looked around at all the shops and I know this company and did a little research and talked to some people and found out that like, it's kind of one of those like core brands, a little bit edgier, you know, like they're like the rock stars of the wetsuit industry and the suits that they make are super durable and like hold up forever. So in my head, I thought, great. It's like another kind of cool core company. It's more like smaller business. And again, like I'm, not in the margin to make money so if i only get the suits at 40 percent off instead of 50 at the end of the day i'm not doing it to make to like i don't have to pay my bills with what the profits that i'm making here so yeah yeah it's it's interesting man like the whole in the scene is it, it's not slowing down man it's funny watching a lot of these guys that like are up north of here that just get paranoid about more people more people more people and it's like dude the, the movement is going north it happens here you just have to be acknowledge the fact that you know how to surf, you know how to catch waves. You'll get all the waves that you need, man. But places are going to get more crowded, man. I mean, I get it. There are some spots that like they do a very good job not posting pictures themselves when they've got epic shit to post. They don't post it. And like those guys I have a mutual respect with that like when I go there, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to come back and Hey, check it out. Surf movement board, like on the best wave of the fucking season up here, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I respect them, man. I keep it private or post it like months later on a totally different swell. So people think it's something. Okay. It's just, it's, I mean, it's just, it's fun. Right on, right on. Um, so if you see a good surfing picture on my Instagram, it's probably not that day. Okay. Good to know, man. Good to know. 
So speaking of going up north, um, when I was talking to Surfer Dan a couple of weeks ago, he brought up your name and, uh, and yeah. surf movement. Yeah. And he said that he recently got one of your boards. So he didn't get a new board. He bought a couple of used boards actually from me, but I sold him an old up north fish and a longboard. He needed a longboard. So um, it's cool. Like I said, I really try those connections with those people and just try to remain on like a respectable level because I mean, the guy's got his area wired, you know, and like, yeah. it's nice having a little bit of peace of mind when they're like, yes, dude, it's for sure worth it. Drive the seven hours, get your ass in your car, the longboard that I, that I sold him in a lot of the videos and stuff that he rides, which is great because it was a longboard that was sitting collecting dust in this garage that nobody was ever riding. So, yeah, you know, guys like him, they're cool. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, like I said, it's when you go and travel for surf, it's always good showing up somewhere and like knowing somebody that like is going to go, hey, there's a bunch of rebar over there. Watch out for that. Or, hey, it washes around this base. So don't get washed over there type thing. It's just everything's progressing bigger and bigger when it comes to Great Lake surf. And quite honestly, like, again, if someone wants to watch your podcast and hear some little secret I told that minute, like, seven minutes 42 seconds and it helped them get somewhere it's not going to be an issue when they show up you know it's going to be fine like yeah it's it's fun man like I mean, we do this for fun like this is to get away from real life like surfing is like the one time in my life that when i'm in the water i'm really not thinking about anything else you know like yeah. why not share that you know why not be a part of that and yeah it's 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 been great for me it's like something that you know, and over the years, it's just been like, you know, you stay in good health for it. You look forward to the season, you know, you like work on getting good photos, which is another thing, man. It's like, it's so hard. Like we'll go out and surf and people get photos or we'll take photos. And it's like, it's so hard to find a photo like that's worthy of posting on the internet nowadays. Cause like, there's amazing shit. It's like hard to It kind of like, it kind of pushes you to like, do more to get what you know get something good out of it so yeah. it's been fun man i you know All right so in 2006 you competed on the did you compete on the east coast for surfing or no 2006 and they did like uh you know whatever you get the what did it say sorry you're breaking up yeah 2006 esa so eastern surfing association great lakes district yeah. shortboard champ oh yeah well right one contest probably five other guys that could serve decent and somehow I got the best waves that day got me a ticket to Rhode Island for the nationals or whatever it was but again you go out there and you're surfing against kids that surf year-round like yeah. I think I got second place in my first heat and then got last place in my second heat and I don't know. Like it's just something fun to do. You know, when you're young, like your parents, yeah, go, go surf in the contest. You got to invite, like go do it. But it's well, never been like, cool. uh, it's a pretty cool accomplishment. Like being a great lake. Well, I mean, if you dissect it down, it's not, not a lot was accomplished. <laughs> not a lot had to happen to, to accomplish it. So okay. it's all good. <laughs> well, maybe it's kind of like those companies you were talking about. It's, seems bigger than it is it sounds really cool so dude when you're not surfing man what else are you stoked about 
So, I mean, I, my daughter, you know, before I ever had a child, I always thought, I want a boy, I want a boy, I want a boy. And I had a daughter and I, I kind of figured that would happen to me. Um, but my daughter at 12, I mean, like she, she's my world. I mean, she does a ton of different stuff, you know, like she skateboards. Her big thing is snowboarding. So in town here, there's a local ski hill. In the wintertime, I'm, I'm following my daughter around on a snowboard. Um, and, you know, I outside of that, man, I mean, you know, like having a, the family life, I mean, outside of like working and being in the garage and surfing when there's waves, um, I don't know, you know, I mean, I like all the stuff that probably most men my age like. I mean, there's, I get into sports. I like football. I like basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the community here really, it's this small little tight little beach town. It's kind of cool. Like we just take advantage of it. We, we mountain bike, we hike, we sit on the beach, you know, like I don't have any like, Stand out weird things that I do, just the basic, the basic stuff that I got yeah. my age to probably be doing. You know? So is your daughter into surfing? Yeah, so she does. I mean, she knows how to surf. She has a board. She has, Third Coast does their little like luau every year, and she won a board one year, and like at the luau. And um, I, I, I've always noticed like the parents who like push their kids into doing things, like the kids end up like hating it at some point. So my philosophy was just watch me have fun doing it. And you'll think eventually that it's cool and fun to do. Um, so she'll go down there. She became a pretty good swimmer over the last couple of years. Uh, but she was prior to that was like, she'd do great in a pool, but like just didn't like being in the lake. Uh, but she, she'll go out there and boogie board when there's waves. I'm not pushing her to get on a surfboard yet just because, you know, you get on a surfboard and you take it on the head a couple of times. So she goes to the beach and gets on the boogie board. And she actually took an interest to taking pictures. So I gave her my old camera and like, she's been coming down and like, that's awesome, man. Training up like a little surf photographer. That's so cool. I thought that would be fun just to go out in the water, no board or anything. And, you know, just in the nice floating wetsuit and just try out some photos. Have you done that? Um, you know, I've always kicked around the idea of getting like a little case for my iPhone or whatnot, but Tim, the guy that worked at Whitman, he's got a water housing and he'll go out there the only thing with like Grand Haven specifically is like, I'm a great swimmer or whatnot, but like, I mean, you're in fins and you're swimming around in cold water with a, a heavy camera. Like it's not, I mean, you don't want to screw You know, like you can get yourself into some trouble, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I hard to like being surfing and like the pictures that I post that I took the five minutes when I got there or like after I'm done. So um, I've never really like, I, I, you know, the older I get, like, yeah, like sometimes I, the other day when they were surfing, like I didn't surf, but I took my camera and tried to get a few shots, but, nice. um, I don't know. And what kind of know. work do you do normally, man? Like what's your regular day job? Well, yeah, so I got a, I got a degree in sales and marketing, but by the time I was done with college, I like, I'd done so many marketing projects, which back in the early two thousands was basically like magazine advertising and sales over, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's totally different. But I also like, I never wanted to sell anything that wasn't like a mutual benefit for like the person buying it and myself, which there's just not a lot of stuff out there that like honestly sell and feel good about. So I randomly met a, a guy that owned a recruiting company in Grand Rapids and 
I got into like HR and recruiting and I work for a, actually work for a temporary service called the Deco. They're a staffing agency. They're worldwide, but um, I run a couple offices out here in uh, Midwest, like where we're at, it's big um, automotive manufacturing. So I, we do like the, the, we do a lot of hiring for the manufacturing companies like temporary help. So we'll hire, we'll give people jobs. So every day I, you know, I'm helping people get jobs. I, I run a team of people that do that, but with COVID and like in cutbacks and not a lot of business, like I'm, I'm back doing recruiting and processing people and hiring people yeah. for jobs. So that's something to feel good about. It's fun. I, I love it. It's, an, it's, yeah, well, I mean, you just, you see a lot of stuff. I could definitely probably write a book or have a reality TV show based off of like HR, which is crazy to think about, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's cool. I've met a lot of people and seen a lot of wild stuff. <laughs> Right on, man. Right on. Well, Matt, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been a awesome chit-chatting with you, getting to learn about the Grand Haven scene and, you know, putting a face to the name. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, we have like a, you know, like an open door policy around here, man. Like we're all about getting people in and getting people involved in, you know, like you want to come across, we've, I got a place for you to crash. We'll tell you where the waves are. We don't, for a proper visit for sure right on dude yeah i can't wait to connect in person there's a few people i really want to come out and, and meet in real time once uh once our borders and yep. things are a bit safer here are you gonna take and that? i would really like that that king, that king cardane is a wave that i definitely want to surf too so i, I gotta get up that way Right on, man. Well, I'm actually looking at property out that way too. So consider yourself to have a place to crash as well out that direction somewhere. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So what I, bought, I that? bought that van so I can actually camp in my vans. It works out really nice. Yeah, nice. it's cool. What kind of van do you have? So I bought a Nissan NV200. It's a small little like cargo van. So I went with that one because... I found a company. It's actually a guy from town here that started a kiteboard company and moved out to the Outer Banks. And then he moved to California and now he does, it's called Recon Campers. And oh. they use the Nissan because it's not probably the most reliable. Like at the time I wasn't married, but I, I had a girlfriend and I had a daughter and it's like a two seater. And I'm kind of like, I don't care. Like we're going to have to take somebody else's car if we want to go more <laughs> to people. But yeah, yeah. best decision I ever made, man. Outside of like, people needing you, like literally I just helped a buddy move a piano tonight because I have the van to do it, you know, but like nice, yeah. it's cool to have and it gets all the blanks. Because this year tax wise, maybe I can like get a tax break or something. Yeah. You know, The nice thing with my van is that it, it literally like I have a Yakima box on top with the rack, but I can have like boards on top and the Yakima box on top and I'll still get like 28, 29 miles a gallon on the highway. Wow. So that's the scary thing about the bigger vans is I just like, I don't want it to be too expensive to drive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but I bought the thing, I bought the thing last April with 30,000 miles and I got an oil change the other day with like 72,000 miles on it. So we put a lot of miles on it, like traveling and going surfing and grabbing boards and, Illinois and whatever, man. I've got some cool old boards that I found on the internet too. So, right on, right on, man. All right, Matt. Sweet talking to you, dude. I thank you for coming on yeah, the you well, man. podcast. Stay stoked, bro. Thanks for having me, brother. Awesome, man. You as well. Thanks, man.
That's all for the first 24 episodes ever of Permastoke the Podcast, which were of course recorded in the year of 2020, the year of COVID-19. From all of us here at Freshwater Surf Goods and the Permastoke Podcast, we truly hope you enjoyed listening or watching the show. And again, I'd like to say mahalo to Matt Smolensky for being a guest on the show and to all you loyal listeners out there. So we'll be taking a short break to catch up on some other business, but now is a great time to let us know how we're doing. Please rate and review us on whatever platform you use to stream the show. And be sure to connect with Matt Smolensky on Instagram at Surf Movement and Rockpile Gang. That's S-R-F-M-V-M-T and Rockpile Gang. So happy New Year, everybody. See you in 2021. Don't be a coop and stay stoked. like to give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing our intro music Hey Chihuahua off their 2009 album Crash Monster Beach and our outro music End of Summer off their 2017 album Return of the Wasagas. For more information visit www.wasagas.com and check them out on Spotify and iTunes. And of course mahalo to all you listeners out there. We are so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode. And we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are definitely on their way. But in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can even listen on Spotify or the Alexa app. And you can even watch the show on our YouTube channel. Please let us know how we're doing. Leave us a rating and review. And don't forget to share with your family and friends over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're a part of the surf or sup community or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sup Club. At Freshwater Surf Goods, we are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us with new product designs. We need photographers to provide Great Lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. Hey, we want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach supper yoga, or if you'd like to carry our products in your store or you're interested in being a sponsor of the show, and for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked. <laughs>